Hello, this is Daniel Vayon. I've been podcasting for almost two years, and I just about a month ago found out how to submit, um, manually submit my feed to Apple Podcasts. Well, anybody's getting into podcasting and wants Apple Podcasts, their show on Apple Podcasts, come here and use Anchor Podcasts. Hello. Well, oh, hello. I want to say this is Daniel Vayant with Daniel Vayant's views of wrestling's TV shows, sports, and movies. I want to thank Anchor for letting every every podcast host um, do this for free. Because it really makes it easier for us to focus on podcasting. Bye. Hello, welcome to Daniel Vayon's views of wrestling, TV shows, sports, and movies. Um, in this episode of Daniel Vayon's views of wrestling, on this episode of Robert's, on this topic of Raw vs. Nitro for the March 2nd no, October 2nd it was a 2.5 rating and both so it was a tie between Raw and Nitro ratings hmm. um let's see Lex Luger went against Macho Man and the thing, the match ended after. Okay, he knocked out referee by mistake. They Lex Luger when Randy Savage threw him into the referee into the corner, by mistake. Referee is knocked out. Giant came out after Randy Savage made the elbow drop. And choke slammed Randy Savage left the ring. So Luger put Randy Savage on his neck. Before the torture rack, and the referee dropped the arm three times to give Luger the victory. And the second match, while Triple H beat Bear Horowitz, Eddie Guerrero beat Dean Malenko. I gotta look at this again. This such a fast-paced match, and they're so back and forth. Uh, it can be difficult to know how to how to describe it. So, yeah, I know y'all could overhear this, but I just thought I would would uh, say what I felt. Ooh, at the last minute, I think he might have hit. I think he might have landed wrong over um, Dean's knees. He's, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if he's holding his stomach or his leg. I'm not sure. I think it's his stomach. Let's see. Turns around, he a couple of times he reversed the uh, waist lock, but he flipped when um, when Dean was trying to flip him. He flipped. Dean was trying. Dean bent down, put his hands in between his legs to trip Eddie. Eddie flipped him, and then he went over to make the cover when. Dean went to flip him again with his legs. Eddie went forward into the cover and got the three count. 
<clears throat> so that's another reason why it ended in a tie. And then... Ric Flair, I believe, went against uh, Arn Anderson. I think... Um, I believe this ended in a disqualification when Fly and Brian Pillman got involved. Let's see. The figure four was locked in on double A. Yeah, disqualification, all right. Fly and Brian comes off the top rope, hits a splash on Ric Flair. So this led to him challenging Arn Anderson to a cage match. He, they made it official, I believe. And uh, while that happened, um, I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. Bret Hart defeated Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Probably with the sharpshooter. So I didn't really see him win a lot of TV matches without the, his finisher. Yeah, he slaps it on him. Turns around. Goes down on it. Officially surrenders. Let's see. Contend they somehow continued a uh, feud between Brett and Jerry by having Isaac Yankin yank him come out to help Jerry. And they make it clear that next week on Raw, Diesel and the um Diesel and Sean and Shawn Michaels and Undertaker will go against Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and, um, um, and Yokozuna. No, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Davy Boy Smith in the main event. That was actually what my, uh, what this topic was going to be until I realized that I didn't do an episode about... October 2nd, so that's what I'm here to talk about, and thank you, and uh, I really enjoy doing this, and um, starting to believe that I need to, uh, okay, I'm gonna make um, this show, I had started, I actually uploaded Part one of a um of a watch along uh, pay per view on Patreon of WrestleMania seventeen. I believe I really want to do that. I gotta go. I gotta go back to uh. Gotta delete that and save it for another time and start doing it for uh for Raw versus Nitro. Okay. So that's all.
Okay, I have enough. I have enough time, believe it or not, to talk about my newest topic. Okay. And then next week, October 9th, 1995. Raw and Nitro once again are tied, this time <clears throat> with a 2.6 rating. The opening match was Shark against Sting for the United States Heavyweight title. And I'm going to have to actually go in the vault to look for, uh, to look for the Raw, to look for the Raw episode. Actually, I don't need to go to the vault, I have to go just to the entering part of the section of the, uh, the network. Let's see. October 2nd. Right, good. First three, um, first three matches were Razor Ramon versus the 1-2-3 Kid. The purpose of that match was to try to see if Ramon and, and 1-2-3 Kid could make things better with each other. The main thing for the kid was to see if he could get some respect from Razor. So all three matches ended with Razor winning. And the reason it continued, in my opinion, in my belief, was that the kid didn't believe... Let me say that he didn't have enough of um, the kid... The kid didn't have enough of Razor... Until the end of uh, the match. And then. That was when he had enough. So they. So everything was better. Um, let's see. <clears throat> they show the next. Dur during the segments. One segment was talking about Barry Horowitz beating uh, Sonny because Akuchi jumped over Sun. No, not Sonny. I'm sorry. Skip. Skip. He beat Skip because of Hakushi, um jumping over Skip and distracting him. First time he ever got a pinfall victory... In his uh, in his WWF career. So let's go straight to the second match. Very Horowitz against Triple H, and of course he couldn't continue his quote luck, and he got hit with the pedigree, and it actually. It was happening as right as it looked like he was about to back body drop um Triple H. Triple H just decided to hit the pedigree on him right away to uh to win the match. And then in the second while that happened, I believe Sabu beat JL. 
Mr. JL. And, uh, really not sure he hits. Oh, he missed it. Frankensteiner gets that boot. Top rope Frankensteiner. I'm wondering. Okay. Oh. I think he tried to use half of his. Half of the. Half of, um. What the Iron Sheik called uh, Camel Clutch. And that's what he won with. So. That that helped that helped WCW a lot in this uh, tie with uh, the WWF. And they showed. I'm actually I'm still amazed at this. They next right before the third match they showed Chris Benoit, um, his entrance coming out of the limo, calling it where the big boys played. Which was, in Scott Hall's words, a cheesy, um, slogan. I think that's probably why it, I think that's probably why they didn't win a lot of, uh, ratings to begin with. Because a lot of them felt like either WCW were where 80 stars were, or they felt like it was too cheesy. So I got a feeling that's, that's why, it's actually why Hall and Nash... And one two three kid, and Ravishing Rick Rude came later as um, a bodyguard or manager of sorts for the NWO. That's why they were such a big, a big uh, part, a big reason why Nitro became bigger, because they knew how to make, they knew how to make you believe in what they were doing and the storyline. Help them too. So anyway, I'm amazed at how. Look, it's not hard to watch Chris Benoit. It's not as hard as it used to be. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if it wasn't for knowing what he did, I probably wouldn't even think about it. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So the next match is uh, while. Hold on. The next match was Disco Inferno. No, it wasn't Disco Inferno. It was Road Warrior Hulk versus uh, Big Bubba Rogers. And uh, Disco kept on trying to steal the spotlight. Because you know he's a show off. And to the point that Hulk tore part of his shirt off. And when he went after him, he got counted out. That's how Big Brother Rogers uh, beat him. By count out. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Hmm. Go to a commercial. Actually show... Video of uh, buildings in Chicago, which is where they were at. And they show at the top the cage that's going to um, it's going to enclose Double A and and Nature Boy Ric Flair later on. I mean, Gene c comes uh, brings out 
Hulk Hogan. This was literally, this became literally, uh, later on in life. We found out that this was like, um, it was October, so it was like, Nine months or or longer before he actually donned the black and white for uh, for NWO. So it's really interesting stuff, and they had said that the reason he first was in black was because of the uh the problems he was facing with the Dungeon of Doom, and. They showed that what started this whole thing, actually the night, I believe, of Fall Brawl, was when it all started when the Giant ran over Hogan's um, Harley Davidson that was given, was a, I think it was a charity motorcycle given to him, but I forgot what it was from, or who it was from, and he, uh, he ran over Hogan's Harley Davidson motorcycle with a monster truck and um and he brought that same monster truck out and by the way they had already saw, announced that Hogan and the Giant would be facing each other in a monster truck battle for the next uh, pay-per-view um Halloween Havoc and um, so he, he actually came, was a restraining order, there was a restraining order on the Giant and Kevin Sullivan, but somehow he still decided to drive his big old monster truck outside of the building, the security that was there, and Chicago's finest were there. I think Hogan tried to go out there after him, and, uh, they found a way to to restrain both of them. And it was actually, actually the pay-per-view was going to be on the 29th of that month. So you literally, you had, um, this, this was, uh, the, the second, I believe, or the ninth, really. This was the ninth. You literally had three weeks left, so the next three episodes are gonna be a gonna really be a big deal for WCW. We're really gonna be a big deal for WCW, especially when you take into account I don't think Vince had an October pay per view yet, so it was even bigger um for them that they didn't have to worry about in your house yet. On October, that is. So, um, well, that was happening. After, you know, Horowitz against Triple H. Um, a tag team called PG-13. I stopped because I don't know what the name of, uh, I don't know what 
PG-13's opponent's names are, so I have to see, I have to actually hear what they say to know for sure. Their opponent's names were Al Brown. Okay, I don't know their opponent's name. Anyway, PG-13 beat their opponents. Just so happens that PG-13 were USWA Tag Team Champions, which meant they were Jerry Lawler's boys. Double Bulldog might have been what they used to win, but I don't know. The Snapmare Takedown and a Tilt World Slam. On to Al Brown, I believe, and a three count cage. So we know the next match on Nitro is Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair. So the next match had to have been that six man tag team match. Okay, so it's not the six-man tag team match. It's, uh... It's Bret Hart in a rematch from Summer... No. A rematch from In Your House, Triple Header. Once again, he goes against Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the pirate. Again, yeah, he beat him with the sharpshooter. Got an altercation with both Isaac Yankum and uh, and Jerry Lawler. Got hit with the DDT on the outside, and then they at the end they had a promo by Jim Cornette to hype up next week, next Monday Night Raw's main event between. Uh, Cam Cornette and Michaels, Diesel, and Undertaker. While that main event happened, uh, Arn Anderson, while Fire and Brian tried to get in the ring uh, over the top of the cage, Arn got those old fashioned paper brass knucks and knocked after Brian. Pillman taken care of by Ric Flair and being and the referee is making sure he got out of got it out off of the cage. Arn reached in, got the pair of paper nucks and hit Ric Flair with it, hid them in his tights and got the one, two, three. And then Ric Flair, just like they had hyped up the six man tag team match for this uh, episode of Raw, next week's episode of Raw, 
they had Ric Flair challenge Arn Anderson and Flying Brian to a tag team match, to a handicap match. He said, "Either I'll get a, either I'll get a tag team partner, or I'll go against you myself, by myself." And uh, that really. Um, looking back at it, no wonder, no wonder the crowd went so, uh, went so crazy when Halloween Havoc came and he finally got a partner, which I'm going to talk about that the more, I'm going to talk about that in the next few, ep within the next few episodes of Raw vs. Nitro. Okay, I'm waiting for Nitro to load. I'm talking about the the section. At some point in this, uh, I think it was some point of this, uh, episode where Sting actually got Luger and Macho Man to, um, in the the episode I was just doing about Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair in the cage. That in that episode, um, Sting managed because there was nothing really settled between Luger and Savage. Nothing was really settled between the two of them. So he said to Luger and Savage y'all both have a match at Halloween Havoc if y'all both can uh y'all both can win y'all's matches why don't what if y'all go against each other later on in the night Sting was getting so fed up with having to uh with having to defend Luger and watch over him like a babysitter that he said something to Luger about it when when Luger said, you're putting words in my mouth, he said, you are pathetic. And he said the same words I just said, that he not only had to stick up for him several times ever since he got there, but he had, but he has also had to watch over him like a babysitter and he was sick of it. So he said, yes, I am the total package. I'll see you at Halloween Havoc. So that was, that was how they figured out to um, settle the situation. So, um, I'm actually, I don't do, I decided not to do a watch-along unless I'm doing an hour-long episode.
episode for Patreon. So this next episode, I'll save that for my next episode. Thank you and goodbye.